Hello and welcome to this very special edition of Temple Bar Tradfest podcast. I'm Kieran Hanrahan. And I'm Ruth Smith and we're coming to you from the Oliver St. John Gogarty in Temple Bar in Dublin just two days before Christmas and I tell you the streets of Dublin are thronged with people. They're going about their last minute preparations here madly buying up uh, presents for people meeting old friends and delivering presents having the odd drink too I'd say and the way Christmas has fallen this year most of the people from down the country have left Kieran, but we're the only two cultures here holding fort. If they only knew <laughs> out there what's going on right here in the Oliver St. John Gogarty we're delighted to be holding fort here in the uh, Oliver St. John Gogarty because we have a gorgeous show for you with a very special guest I must say the globally renowned Ilan Piper and flute player and uh, she likes that too that's <laughs> Louise Mulcahy Louise I must say you're very very welcome and delighted that you've joined us for this very special show Thank you so much for having me Kieran, and it's really wonderful to be here at this special time of year indeed celebrating a pre-Christmas with you and Ruth how, how, how things couldn't get any better <laughs> Well, I presume they'll get a little bit better because I'm assuming you will head for Abbey Field over the Christmas, will you? That's right. I'm heading home on the 22nd and I'll be at home for a, a couple of days. And then I'll be heading to um, the Skullkjöl Guidor on the 27th. But I always lo- look forward to coming home. It's always a great time of year. And it's always lovely to reconnect with the whole family in Abbey Field in County Limerick. Now, that area of Abbey Field in County Limerick and the whole area around it actually is steeped in tradition and indeed the tradition of Christmas. Absolutely. Uh, we're just on the doorstep there of Schlieve Lucra, the Kerry Cork Limerick region. And there are many traditional musicians around the area. Indeed, a great tradition of set dancing. Um, the Irish language is making a gr- great comeback in Abbey Field, with many people working hard to rejuvenate the, the tradition of the Irish language in the town. Um, there are many different sessions held, on, held all over that area, ranging from Abbey Field, Castle Island, in, indeed back into Canuck Nagree. Uh, so, indeed, over Christmas, there are many, many events on. But I'm looking forward to opening the front door in uh, Killarney Road and getting in and playing a few tunes with uh, Dad and Michelle and having my mum uh, as our best uh, spectator over the Christmas and indeed over the Christmas dinner. And she certainly has always been that, there's no doubt about that, for the Mulcahy family. But I'm just wondering about the traditions, maybe if you go a little bit east and north of where you are and the Ranby tradition, did you ever do much of that in Abbey Field? Well, that's a huge tradition and you would have lots of people uh, coming around uh, on, the, on the particular day, uh, knocking on the door and entertaining throughout the, throughout the day. Um, but we would often have gone back to Listowel to to look at the competition um, and spectate um, as young children. Um, Always a memorable event and you never know what fascinating sights might present uh, on the day Um, but as I said we would always have celebrated that within within our own family as well uh, in the the home house. That's not fair really because you're making me feel old now when you talk about going back spectating at the Ranby competition because we took part in that ourselves uh, over many years. Great excitement of course in Listowel. Of course absolutely. Second to none with the excitement that uh, transmits throughout that evening. Oh no, there's a, whole, a fantastic tradition actually throughout that area of Limerick and Intercary of Ranboys. I don't know Ruth if you ever got much involved in that yourselves. We, I suppose in Portumna there would have been a lot of Ranboys in Woodford uh, mm-hmm. that would come down as well but the tradition did die out and it's nice to see places, you know, pockets around the country, I think in Kerry as well, it's very strong, or oh, we were talking about Listowel, sorry um, but it's great to see that the, those traditions are coming back and people are, are connecting more with the, the old pagan traditions, the Celtic traditions as well. I think it's important to, to remember those traditions and honour them and bring them into the present day. And I think, as you said, there are so many great people uh, doing wonderful work to promote these traditions. So they're not forgotten and passed on to, and they can be passed on to the next uh, generation, which is incredibly important, I think. Well, no stranger to research and, and looking back into the annals of history. I know, you know, 
not just the Rand boys' history, but you, you have researched deeply uh, the tradition of female piping in Ireland as well recently, Louise. That's right. Well, it's something I feel passionately about. Um, I think for a long time, uh, piping documentation has related to the men and male pipers. Um, and so often this can be an oversight uh, within the tradition. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to bringing all this information, which I have done over the last number of months with different lectures around um, Ireland and indeed over to the USA. Um, and I'm looking forward to sharing that information that I've collected. Um, and there's some fascinating characters, really amazing photographs, uh, which I've unearthed. Um, and what's lovely is that I've made a connection with a lot of the family of these pipers. Uh, indeed, three that were mentioned in the O'Neill's Minstrels and Musicians, Molly Morrissey, Mae McCarthy, Anna Barry, um, and Mrs. Murphy of Limerick City. Um, and to make that connection with the family and you know draw their archive into the present day um, and have these women remembered and I suppose give a voice to the women uh, who played the pipes during uh, the 19th and 20th century. Who essentially kept that tradition going for, for women in music and piping. I was very moved by the presentation um, in All Together Now Festival in Waterford during the summer you were down there with Sheila Freel and I, I can't remember the other three pipers were there three other lady pipers there? Um, Indeed Mary McCarthy, uh, Sarko Scully and Jane Walls join me on stage. Just tell us about the age group you know the, the age span because there was two very young pipers there. Yeah that's right I suppose we're at a great time for piping in Irish traditional music now with a huge range of young girls playing um, pipes and indeed women up to their 80s playing Ilham pipes so on that particular day we had Sirica from Dublin um, who I believe is about 13 years of age and then we had right up to uh, to the generations yeah. Uh, yeah. I won't yeah. I don't need to, yeah, to age check there, yeah, people yeah. perfect but it was lovely to see that intergenerational yeah. yeah and I think it's really important to have a, a cross section uh, of women playing pipes and to have that represented on stage and that was the idea behind the All Together Now well, it is Christmas time. We were just wondering, do you have any particular tunes or melodies that you associate with Christmas time? Uh, as children, we there was always fierce excitement in the house um, for Santa Claus, and we would, both Michelle and I would have been up at three or four o'clock in the morning, uh, tearing down to the sitting room to open the presents, and there was probably always a CD or two uh, or new tin whistle uh, thrown into the mix. Um, but I, I was just thinking uh, when you asked me about a particular a tune, I was thinking maybe early breakfast might be uh, an appropriate one um, as we. I was generally the ringleader and I would have Michelle up and in the sitting room at three o'clock and there would be no going back to bed. So are you going to play that on the flute or the I'll Ilham play Pipes? It on the flute. Okay, lovely. The concert flute here in hand and early breakfast.
lovely stuff. Early breakfast there, Louise Mulcahy, and that's in honour of those early mornings waking at 3am to see what Santi brought. Well, there's no doubt anybody would get up for an early breakfast if that was a hit of your I'm telling you, if that was your lovely alarm stuff, clock. Louise. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. So Louise, you mentioned you come from such a musical family and I just saw a picture recently of yourself and your sister Michelle um, in a double pram. You were at some fla or another and your dad standing beside you with his accordion, your mum in the background. And as you said, she was always a, a very willing audience member for you as you grew up playing music. The instrument uh, that you chose was obviously the, the flute and then you gra- graduated onto the Ilham Pipes. What was it that brought you from hearing your dad play the, the accordion to then playing the, the flute and the pipes? I think I'm really fortunate to have had uh, a great upbringing in Abbey Thiel with a wide variety of recordings and material played, not just Dad's own music, which was so special to hear, but also a, a real depth um, of recordings played throughout the, the, the year, throughout the days uh, in the kitchen. And I think with some of the recordings that would have been played would have been uh, of Seamus Ennis and Willie Clancy. And so I was used to hearing the sound of the Ellen Pipes and I really loved the power of the instrument and especially uh, when the drones, the regulators and the chanter were in operation together. I think there's a magical power behind the instrument when you hear that and it it was always something that I gravitated towards um, and really I had insisted on getting a a set of pipes and I think at the time dad said I think it might be just a passing phase Louise are you (laughs) sure really that that is that is the instrument you want to play I said absolutely so I think maybe six or eight or nine months went by and every day I mentioned the same thing. So eventually um, we got a set, uh, practice set uh, from Dave Hegarty in Tralee in County Kerry. And he gave me my, some of my first lessons, a really in, uh, encouraging uh, figure. And then I would have travelled to the Pipers Club in Dublin once a month for master classes there with amazing pipers, amazing tradition, uh, including Limo Flynn, uh, Robbie Hannon, Mick O'Brien, really cream of the crop. Um, and was very fortunate uh, to have attended those classes. And I think Dad was always great in so far as there was no lo- road long enough yeah. <laughs> five o'clock in the morning starts pre-m50 or pre-m7 uh, trips to Dublin once a month yeah. and they are great memories to have but it, as I said it was always the magic of the instrument and the sound that really drew me to it and so brilliant to see you as a, as a female piper now you know back then listening to the likes of as you said Seamus Ennison and Willie Clancy that the pipes weren't ever, you know, the, the actual physical instrument wasn't ever an impediment to you learning them and, you know, becoming such a master of them as well. And now going on to encourage more and more young uh, female pipers to play as well. I think visibility is a great yeah. thing. Um, and I think with the increase of women playing pipes, especially in uh, performance platforms, it, it can encourage um, other women to, to, to play the pipes and to take them up, that it is an achievable thing to do. And I think when you get the message across that they can be learnt in stages as well, they, they appear less daunting uh, to a lot of younger players who may have interest both male and female Um, but I think it was never something that I particularly thought of as a male instrument Uh, as I said it was just the the love for the sound of the instrument Um, certainly a magical instrument and that magic that captured you you mentioned the dedication of your dad Mick you know those early mornings pre-M50 bringing you up to Nepi Brielan and you also mentioned Limo Flynn can you tell us about the connection that uh, you have to Limo Flynn now with the pipes you have on your lap yeah, I'm very fortunate to have been and honoured to have uh, received recently Limo Flynn's uh, B-set of Alain Fromant Pipes. Incredibly beautiful instrument um, and I suppose really symbolic of the uh, of the beautiful music that Liam played throughout his career that the instrument indeed would be so so beautiful and sweet um, and everything about the instrument is so is so tasteful and, and is in perfect condition uh, just just like the, the way Liam preserved them throughout his career. Um, of course they were made by Alain Fromant, a French maker and I have a concert pitch set made by Alain uh, in 1998 as well. Um, and they're absolutely 
stunning instrument, as I said, in top class uh, condition. And I'm really grateful to Nipi Breland for uh, giving me this set uh, on loan, um, which is really special. And I suppose Dad had a great connection with Limo Flynn uh, in the 60s in Dublin, and there's some archival footage from RTE of photographs. Uh, so I, I think for the whole family, it's very special to have them in the house. I think it is, and what I think is most special about it is that they're in your hands, number one, and that they're allowed to be out there and played because they are an instrument that should be played. I think the great thing is to share the sound of them, and I certainly do my best to honour Liam and to play uh, with respect to his, his legacy of, of piping. Um, but I think to be able to share the sound is something incredibly special and something I feel uh, incredibly honoured to be able to do. I know Louise mentioned her father and bringing her here, there and everywhere all over the country, both Louise and Michelle, but her mother played her part in that as well because they all hopped into the car. I remember that uh, from many, many years ago and they were, as they used to say, brought everywhere and with a heart and a half really and their dedication to the development of these two girls in traditional music just knew no bounds, I have to say. Well, I'm always just so amazed by your dedication um, in terms of your academic studies as well because both yourself and Michelle have PhDs in music. Well, Michelle has graduated with her PhD on the symbolism of the harp and the um, Burmese harp and I'm getting through mine uh, but there's so many projects uh, I'm working on with it and which is it has opened up several avenues to me uh, which is which I'm really fortunate and, and, and lucky in a way um, to be able to deliver the information on women and piping in many different uh, settings and platforms. Well, I suppose we've done a fair bit of talking. We heard some beautiful flute playing. The pipes are ready to go, I, I, I see there. So maybe you play a tune on the pipes first. Absolutely. I'd like to uh, play the Munster Jig. Um, it's a tune, I, I know, Ruth, we were chatting earlier about a tune maybe that connected with some of the women in piping as well. And of course, Liam, what better way to be able to play the tune than on this beautiful set of bee pipes. Um, and I'll play it in honour of um, Mrs. Murphy, Mrs. Margaret Murphy, who was the first uh, piper to win the uh, rock this competition in Dublin in in 1914. Okay. Sorry, giving, uh, <laughs> giving you a knee there. Move out. Move out. Sorry. <laughs>
that is just stunning playing from Louise Mulcahy. Just a treat for us here. Tucked away in a corner of the Oliver St. John Gogarty pub in Temple Bar in Dublin. Just a couple of days to Christmas Eve. Uh, Louise Mulcahy with us, ready, I suppose, to make that journey across the country, Louise. But I have to say, absolutely stunning playing. Ruth, you enjoyed that yourself. Absolutely. Such a sense of occasion as well to hear Limo, Limo Flynn's pipes uh, in such close proximity as well. And gorgeous that that was a dedication to, as you said, Mrs Murphy, an Ilham Piper from Limerick City. She was born in 1893. That's correct. A really fascinating character. And I'm so lucky to have made connection with her uh, family, uh, who are some uh, which are living in Limerick City at the moment. But her, her grandson, Dahi Murku, was so generous in sharing so much uh, archival footage of her and indeed gorgeous photographs. Um, but she loved Claire music. She travelled to Claire um, oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. Sure, look, I understand she, she, that. I understand she had good taste. Gorgeous photographs. And she appears in the, the diary of Seamus Ennis where he, he documents his visit to her to Limerick City and to her husband um, with her husband uh, who was a, a very wealthy building contractor um, and indeed a multi-millionaire by th- that day's standards. Um, and they had travelled a lot uh, to, as I mentioned to County Clare and she would have, she, she loved dancing she was a very proficient dancer and uh, she taught dancing in several locations around Ireland and indeed some of her past pupils are the O'Rourke uh, School of Dancing in Limerick um, but as I said I, I'm looking forward to sharing this information and the photographs and the diaries um, and hopefully uh, I'm very fortunate to got, got some very exciting news uh, that uh, the research I've done will uh, I presented on a documentary and filming will commence in March for that. Oh, that's wonderful and you just speak with such passion about your research. Have you enjoyed it? I know it, it can be an uphill battle sometimes you know when you've got a big project a big academic project but it seems like you just relish every single moment you have in researching and putting kind of flesh on the bones of all of these stories. That's right I suppose there was so little information out there on these women perhaps a name or two and maybe a little paragraph here and there and I just have found it incredibly exciting that uh, I didn't know what what, what I was going to unearth uh, when I said about this journey um, but it's, as I said it's been incredibly exciting and I feel really passionate about it that this to collate and gather as much information as I can before it's lost really and to pass it on uh, and bring it into the public domain. And no doubt all of this uh, research is is definitely informing your own playing as well and we're so looking forward to having you as part of Temple of Art Tradfest in 2020. You're going to be in Rathfarnham Castle and I believe your sister Michelle is also performing the same day. That's right, a, a unique Mulcahy <laughs> invasion of Rathfarnham Castle. Uh, yeah, she's on earlier in the day and we're both really looking forward to it. I think the wonderful thing about the Temple Bar Tradfest is that it attracts the loyal uh, followers but every year it reaches to new people, not only in Ireland uh, but abroad, all corners of the earth, uh, travelling into Dublin, flying as we, we've experienced over the last number of years um, flying into Dublin for the weekend uh, to really experience what Dublin has to offer and I suppose the fabulous thing about the Temple Bar Tradfest is the unique venues um, and that creates the magic uh, for people and I suppose pr- providing a performance platform for traditional musicians not tradition, alone traditional musicians folk musicians, Irish musicians um, in these beautiful venues is something incredibly special no, that's the script read out there. You, you obviously <laughs> learned it off by heart. Fair play to you, Louise. There, we like that. We like the chat. That's a good plug. Sure. She's oh, good at it. Oh, just coming up to Christmas as well. I tell you, a decent woman, all the same yes, from yeah. County Limerick. Yeah, and sure. I think it is important that you did mention it draws so many people from outside of Ireland as well. There's a huge influx of, of especially American listeners and music fans. Definitely that. Now, if you don't mind, and I hope you won't mind this either, Ruth, but can we move maybe from the women pipers for a minute? Because you did a bit of research on Eamon Kant as well 
one of the revolutionaries of 1916. What did you unearth about him? Because he was a piper as well. That's correct. Um, I was very fortunate around the, the time of the commemorations of 1916 to work with Conor McKeown, Gay McKeown's son, a great piper too. And the two of us presented and uh, researched, co-produced and presented a performance at the Arts and Action Programme in Galway. And then we pr- pr- moved from there to, to Oris and Uchtaran and indeed uh, presented the information and the material in, uh, to Michael uh, D. Higgins also. And then we moved from there to the Liberty Hall uh, with Matt Malloy and Christy Moore and a number of others. Uh, and that was a, a really gorgeous experience on the night. Um, but indeed, he, as I said, he was a, a piper. Um, he uh, was a founding member of the Cumann and Beebury or the uh, Pipers Club. Um, and he was uh, secretary of the Pipers Club until he married uh, Anya Brennan, who was the treasurer of the, of the club. Um, he was a highly sought after piping adjudicator. Indeed, would have adjudicated a number of competitions around that time. And there's one particular iconic photograph, which some of your listeners may uh, take head to the ITMA or ITMA.ie and it's a picture of a 1913 competition in Dublin and indeed Eamon Kant is in the front row and uh, Mrs. Mrs. Margaret Murphy or Mrs. Murphy that I mentioned earlier is seated centre and a number of other pipers of the day are in the photograph as well but he had a a, a real colourful um, piping uh, career I suppose if you want to say that Um, he headed to Rome uh, and played for Pope Pius X uh, in 1906 Um, and he he, he had an Egan set of pipes and of course he, he was from County Galway and there are several uh, venues and several uh, areas called after him. And I believe uh, that Bill Henneman has refurbished that set of pipes down there back in action really. That's correct, yeah, it's, and it's wonderful to be able to, there's been many uh, events organised around those pipes um, and indeed you can, listeners can go and visit them and see them for themselves. And you listed many of his activities but he was also involved in the very first St. Patrick's Day parade here. I'm, I'm checking your notes here. I'm, I'm seeing that he was part of the first St. Patrick's Day parade in Dublin in 1902, is that right? That's correct I suppose his love for the Irish language and music and I suppose that's a tradition that has continued to, to present day and one which is indeed huge uh, in Dublin City at the moment. Our guest is Louise Mulcahy. She played a few tunes on the concert flute earlier. She played a little on the pipes and she has spoken a lot and really has been inspirational. Really, I've really enjoyed listening to your history, brief as it is now, so uh, much, on Ken. the Ilham pipes and especially the women pipers. But seeing as you have the pipes on and they are Liam O'Flynn's pipes, uh, you might play. will you play another tune for us on them? Absolutely, I, I'd be delighted to. Um, I'll try a tune called the Merry Blacksmith, uh, a real, really associated with, with piping tradition. Um, and I'll give it a go. It really has been a pleasure to talking to you both thank you so much and I'd really like to wish all the listeners a very happy Christmas and to you both too and the same to you Louise thank you it's a real pleasure to hear you play Thank you. 
That's some five mile chase there, Ruth. <laughs> well, we, there was two there, wasn't it? The Merry Blacksmiths first and the five, five mile, mile chase. chase two fine. Pi- you did. You, you well, went we into a second. We were delighted. Of, that's okay. That's the two, season that's in it, Louise. Two good piping tunes. Well, we're delighted to have Louise Mulcahy here in the Oliver St. John Gorgerty as part of Temple Bar Tradfest podcast. And of course, we're looking forward to your gig. Is it the 26th of January, 26th Kieran? of January. Sunday. The Mulcahy's are taking over <laughs> Rathfarnham Castle. Can we can we depend on Mick for a tune as well? Do you think you'll, the three of you will convene at some point? Well, I suppose it's the season of Christmas and the festivities and everything. You never know what might happen. And with the new year and the excitement of it all, we might all converge on stage for a, that a can Mulcahy. Be discussed. Yeah, that can be discussed <laughs> over Christmas dinner, I'd say. That's the plan. <laughs> Over the turkey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Well, it's definitely going to be a gorgeous gig and one to book soon, really, I would say, because it's already on course to become a sellout. Go to tradfest.ie uh, to get your tickets now before it's too late. That's my advice, and I'm telling you, it is the thing to do. We could stay here all over the Christmas with Louise, but I suppose she has to head west to Abbey Field, and we have our own preparations to make for the big day. Wishing you all a very, very happy Christmas from the Oliver St. John Gogarty Bar in Temple Bar in Dublin a big happy Christmas to you all all the listeners and thanks for all your company throughout the year thanks a million Slán